Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Hey everyone, it's Sapik Alawalia from Progress Texas and I'm back for our last happy hour until July. Uh, I'm joined with advocacy manager Diana Gomez, communications manager Wesley Story, and senior strategist Glenn Smith. Today, we're going to be talking about the significance of pride and how we can celebrate it. We're also going to touch on the end of lead session and what comes next. But first, there was a really big holiday this week. Tuesday was National Best Friends Day. Uh, and since so many of us have been quarantined over a year, we haven't really seen our best friends in quite some time. Um, you know, for everyone here who's watching, if you two were going to celebrate this weekend, what would you what would you do? So, Diana, if you and your best friend got together this weekend, what would you all be doing? And you don't have to name any names. You don't need to do that. <laughs> I don't want to cause any drama. No, yeah. Um, actually, I have a, a lot of, of best friends, close friends, so it's hard to, to, to pick just one. Um, but I think it, it sounds like not such like an extravagant thing, but I think I'd want to do like just a backyard hangout. It's like just being in close proximity with them seems like a very big deal. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Wesley? So funny you should ask because I actually am going to be hanging out with a few of my best friends this weekend after, you know, over a year of the pandemic. But one of my fr best friends, Demarice, I'll name names um, <laughs> because it's it's her weekend. It's her birthday this weekend. So shout out to Demarice. Happy birthday. Um, she doesn't. I don't know if she watches this or not. But, she better watch it. Um, and we're actually going to be hanging out in the backyard doing really similar to what Diana mentioned. We're just going to hang out and celebrate her birthday. So. Nice. Yeah. And what about you, Glenn? Well, I think I'll just answer your question by reminding everyone that Texas's motto is the friendship state. And it goes way back to 1930, but they picked it because the Caddo word for friend was pronounced by the Spanish uh, was Tejas, hence Texas. Hence, Texas is actually just the friend state. So huh. I will, I'll hang with as many as I can to, over the weekend and into the future. We should probably let Governor Abbott know that this is the friend state because he's not a friend to women or immigrants or LGBTQI plus or immigrants or people and really anyone who is it? Who's friend is just energy executives. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's the memory I have from college, which is what I would like to do with my best friend. We like it was we were going to go to New York the next morning and we were like, we can't really fall asleep. The bus is way too early. And so we got uh, a box of Corona beer, not the virus beer um, and two big buffalo chicken pizzas. And we played Halo like all night online. Um, Halo is a video game, which some young people might not know about because we're on like Halo 7 now. But this was Halo 1. Uh, and if I could go hang out with my best friends, we'd probably be doing that. So cool. I, I hope everyone here did get to celebrate National Best Friend Day. I hope you have a best friend because it's super important to health and, and life and happiness. And if you didn't celebrate it on Tuesday, hope you do it this weekend in a safe CDC-approved manner, obviously, because we're still in a pandemic. And for those of you who, 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 who don't know, we're in Pride Month right now. And last year, we didn't get to do Pride the normal way. You know, everything had to move digitally. Um, but this year, we'll get to do it in person again. Uh, Yo, what is the significance of Pride Month? It's not just to have rainbow colored logos. Like what is going on here in the back? So I can take a stab at this. Uh, I, first of all, let me just start by saying June is one of my favorite months of the year because of Pride Month. Um, it's a lot of fun. Unfortunately, last year, Obviously, we weren't really able to get together and celebrate. So again, it's been two years and now Texans are actually able to get together for the marches. And again, just like Sotvik mentioned with um, National Best Friends Day, if you are getting together in person, going to these parades, 
please follow CDC guidelines. We recommend personally, if you're not vaccinated, maybe stay home. Um, we wrote a blog actually about Pride Month that has a bunch of events listed both in person and um, virtually. So if you're not vaccinated, there are lots of virtual events happening too that you can participate in. But the significance of Pride Month is it's celebrated in the month of June because June was when the Stonewall riots began. Um, the Stonewall riots were a series of protests, riots that were led in Manhattan after police raided a bar called the Stonewall Inn. And these riots were actually started um, initially, I mean, lots of different folks joined them, but they were started by trans people of color. Um, they were really the leaders of this protest. And the Stonewall riots are seen as, you know, one of the really sparks of the modern LGBTQ movement. Obviously, they weren't the only thing that started this movement. It was a movement decades in the making, but this is one of those um, turning points that lots of LGBTQ activists and folks look back to and regard as, you know, a big turning point for the movement. Absolutely. And if you all, you know, have you, if you have any questions about Pride Month, how to celebrate it, feel free to drop a comment in the question. From my perspective, and I was on paternity leave for a lot of the end of session, so I don't have the full information, but from what I saw, uh, LGBTQI rights was one of those few slightly bright spots in the end of lead session. Diana, do you want to talk about what happened with some of the really cruel trans bills that were coming out? Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, some of the other panelists here might know the exact uh, number. It might have been SB 29, if that's correct. Um, yeah, that uh, was this terrible um, anti-trans bill attacking specifically uh, uh, youth in Texas. Um, trying to prohibit them from participating in UIL sports across mm. the state. Uh, it, it was terrible, and we, you know, had celebrated that we we thought it died and it came back uh, uh, like a zombie. But you know, again, uh, died. Hopefully, it it, it stays dead. Uh, but that was a really big win for um, you know not just progressives across the state, but especially. Uh, our, our trans youth. You know, I feel like those kind of bills are exceptionally cruel because not only do trans youth already feel very othered, especially in our state, but sports is one of the few ways for kids to really come together and be as a team. And when you start excluding trans youth from playing sports, like you're just excluding them even more, uh, which is why I'm so glad that the activists around Texas like really came through because it's really important. Well, I just want to add to the celebration an event that happened last month um, when Baylor University, the last of the Power Five conferences to formally discriminate <clears throat> against LGBTQ kids, uh, has dropped that policy by a vote of the regents. They've instructed the administration to allow students to organize on campus to be a recognized group that can organize and hold events on campus. And that was a several year struggle. So I want to congratulate all those involved and say it's about time, Baylor. That's awesome. So Diana was completely right. SB 29 was one of those terrible bills that was defeated. And then HB 68 was also another one. And that bill would have banned um, transgender youth from really obtaining gender affirming health care. You know, this is health care that they need. It's life saving. Um, and what you're saying is true, Sotvik. This is really just another bill that would other these youth who are already at higher risk of things like suicide um, and already very much othered sometimes by their peers, a lot of the times just by politicians um, and folks in the public who 
um, see these kids as people who um, just aren't deserving of rights. And that's something that we saw throughout this session. But you're so right. Um, activists showed up. Lots of trans kids showed up to testify against these bills, which you want to talk about their health and their mental health. Imagine the toll that having to go to the Capitol as a child to defend your rights would have on somebody. Um, but people showed up, their parents, their families showed up. Um, and ultimately, our lawmakers were able to defeat the bill by um, hitting the midnight deadline that it needed to pass. And it was really fun to see. Uh, I was up late that night watching the live stream and a lot of lawmakers, specifically Democratic lawmakers who were on the floor, had little trans flags that they were flying whenever the bill was defeated just to really demonstrate their support. So it was a really joyful moment amongst, you know, a lot of weeks of attacks and just really hard work from the LGBT community. Yeah. And a special shout out to uh, one of those great organizations, uh, Tent. I believe is their name. Yes, Tent and Equality Texas and also the ACLU of Texas were all huge um, in helping to stop those bills. Yeah, you know, right now we're getting a comment from Kathleen Thompson on Facebook. Republicans need to leave those kids alone. Like, we want them to grow and be empowered and to thrive as they, and as they grow into themselves. And, like, these kind of bills do so much to stop that. Transitioning to, like, a... <laughs> and also, let's figure out electricity, whether it's hot or cold. She's right. And actually, you know, that's a good transition, Kathleen. Um, lead session just ended, and a lot of stuff happened. Uh, you know, the, the, the LGBTQI+, plus, like, the anti-trans bills were one thing, but there was so much more going on. Uh, Glenn, you just wrote a piece about this, but what happened with uh, with all this electric grid infrastructure stuff in the end of ledge? Well, let's let's step back in time and remember the ordeal we all went through in mid February with a with a terrible freeze and the power went out across you know millions and millions of Texas homes. Hundreds of people died. Estimates vary, but hundreds of people died because of it because of the lack of power in a sub-zero weather situation. So that happened in the second month of the legislative session. So here came lawmakers to do something about it. And they really didn't do very much about it. They sort of rearranged the deck chairs on the sinking ship of our regulation of the power industry in Texas. Um, they did a couple of things. They put a statewide alert you know, system in place, which will tell us when the power is about to go out, I guess. Uh, they let the natural gas industry completely off the hook after all of the experts have told us it was the failure of the unweatherized natural gas delivery system that really caused uh, the power outages. Uh, they don't really have to weatherize, um, and they can hardly be found to have violated what rules may be put in place because of incredibly dumb uh, they get several warnings, and then they have to do this and do that, and if they didn't do this and that. So the natural gas lobbyists had a successful session considering their clients were the one that caused the freeze. So I give the legislature an F on the overall effort. So much more needs to be done than was done. So I'm recommending that everybody keep their phones and computers <laughs> powered up and charged and get a few candles on hand, because we may lose power again in a high peak time like this summer. Hot girl summer. <laughs> Too hot. <laughs> Not too, you can't go that hot. <laughs> uh, and for everyone who's on social media, I'm going to drop the blog in that Glenn wrote. Uh, Glenn, one of the things that really popped out to me is how you, Wesley, Diana, and I are going to be bailing out uh, these energy companies. And do you know how? What was the number on how much we're bailing them out for? Well, it varies, but first let's say what that is. In order to get companies made whole that lost a lot of money because of the spike in prices for natural gas and in other causes, the number 
put on that is between 80 billion and say 125, 120 billion, and nobody knows exactly what it is. But to make those companies hold, what the legislature did was authorize the selling of a lot of bonds. They called it securitization, and then companies can borrow or get the money from those bonds, which taxpayers or consumers will pay back. That means we are going to pay for the privilege of losing our power in February for days and days because we're going to pay for the companies to be made whole. Not the companies, not those that failed. We who were failed are going to pay for that under the plans laid by the legislature. You know, 80 to 120 billion is basically one Jeff Bezos. So I wish we could just give Jeff Bezos <laughs> to these energy companies and just like skip this whole thing. That's hilarious. Post so in divorce, other, obviously. In other words, Republicans are in favor of socialism when it comes to saving large corporations, yes. but not socialism when it comes to actually helping the people most impacted, just normal, regular Texans. Yeah, because who needs them? It appears so. After the Progress Texas Happy Hour, be sure and pop over to ProgressTexas.org and check out all our great merch. Perfect for letting the world know that you're on the side of progress in Texas, too. Cool t-shirts and beautiful shades of blue. An awesome pride pack. Y'all means all. Buttons, stickers, can coolers, and more. Show your pride and progress at our web store at progresstexas.org. Uh, so the energy bill obviously happened, or rather didn't happen, we wanted to. Wesley, Diana, what were some of the other big uh, victories and losses that we experienced during the end of the session? So one of the big victories that we had actually happened right there at the end. Um, it was really exciting. I'm sure lots of folks have already seen it because it made national headlines. I mean, it's been in the news ever since. But on the very last day of the when SB7, which was the huge omnibus voter suppression bill, on the very last day that it could pass, Democrats broke quorum and were able to kill the bill. For folks who don't know what the word means, what is quorum? <laughs> yeah, quorum is just a certain amount of lawmakers that need to be in the um, on the actual floor when a vote is taking place in order for it to count. I'm not actually sure exactly what that number is. Is it two thirds, Glenn? Or yeah, okay. So two thirds of the lawmakers have to be there, and we know that obviously in the Texas House, Democrats aren't the majority, but they're are enough Democrats that they're able to break quorum if a large majority of them aren't on the floor. Um, and so I think it was around 50 or so Democrats who had to leave the floor in order to break quorum. But so this bill ended up dying. Um, it was a very, I don't know, just glorious moment. We were all very proud of the Democrats because it really showed that there are people at the Texas Capitol, specifically our representatives, who are fighting to protect democracy. They were willing to use every tool at their disposal in order to defeat this bill, knowing that they didn't necessarily have the power to vote it down. Um, so they chose to do this instead. And that was after months of organizing um, from voting rights advocates and just regular Texans who showed up to speak out against these bills. Um, our lawmakers showed that they were listening. And it was... Um, it was just awesome. This was only the fourth time in Texas history that lawmakers broke quorum on the floor. So Yeah. I, Wesley, I want to underline one thing you said. This didn't happen just because of these legislators. It happened because countless hundreds and hundreds and thousands of activists and everyday Texans like yourself watching this spoke up. That's it's right. so important when you're a minority to have the people who are voting for you tell you, hey, I support what you're doing. Go keep doing it. Because that gives you the strength to, like, as well said, walk out when you don't have actually all the power, which is so amazing to see. 
And I think one of the large, bigger parts of the success, I mean, obviously defeating the bill is a huge thing. Abbott has said he's going to bring it back up in a special session. This action, like this moment of bravery from our representatives, it's caused a national conversation around voting rights and specifically folks calling on members of Congress and members of the Senate specifically to, you know, um, kill the filibuster so that they can actually pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and, you know, really just important voting rights protections that we need at a federal level because we know that the states are going to continue to push these types of racist anti-voter bills. And so we need our federal government to step in. Yeah, I 100% agree with, you know, Wesley, obviously, it was really uh, badass to be sitting there, even though we were confused at first as to what was happening. Uh, we just noticed people were, were missing. Um, and then when we realized they walked out, it, it was really amazing because, uh, you know, we weren't the only ones there that night. There are a bunch of other advocates, like you were saying, Safik, that, that were there, that have been there, um, you know, supporting all of our progressive champions. And it really helped them decide to make this final uh, move and it's just been so it's felt defeating to see a lot of these voting rights pass across the country and they made that decision to not take it lying down and to get up and walk out Um, and uh, yeah like Wesley was saying the fact that it's uh, brought us to national attention all eyes were on Texas that night and and for a really great reason and yeah it's time for nationally uh for national democrats to step up and to take our lead absolutely and again right now we're talking about uh the end of lead session and what's coming next if you have any questions, please drop them in the comments. We have uh, three amazing experts and myself here to answer any questions you got. Um, Glenn, what happens next? So Dana just mentioned special session. What is that and what are we looking to expect in the future? Well, the Constitution allows the legislature to meet in special session. They're a maximum 30 days long. Um, Only the governor can call them. Only the governor can decide on the agenda. In broad terms, he can put issues on the agenda that the legislature can address. They can't go outside those parameters set by the governor. Uh, Special sessions can be short. They can get the work done in a couple of days and go home. Or they can go the entire 30 days and maybe a second one is necessary if they didn't get the work done. There's an interesting wrinkle in advance of this special, and there's going to be one. We don't know whether it'll be in July or August. Uh, But that wrinkle is that the governor, the head of the executive branch under the Constitution, has threatened to veto the appropriation of the legislative branch, which would take effect on September 1st. There's an obvious balance of powers issue with that threat maybe even a bribery issue with that threat, but his plan is to hold that over the heads of lawmakers and give the legislature, the legislature, that means the entire staff, that means the little pittance, the salary of of lawmakers themselves are actually in the Constitution at $600 a month. Uh, He's going to hold that money until they do what he wants. We've never seen anything like that, not just in Texas. There was a similar thing with Kansas. Uh, when the governor tried to get rid of some of the judiciary, that went nowhere, obvious for obvious balance of power reasons. But it's going to be fun to watch that develop. Many think that that Abbott may back away, but he's now gone public more than three times, saying, "Oh, I'm going to do it," and they're not going to get their money till they do what I want. So that'll be a that'll be a fascinating thing to watch, to say the least. 
And just to take a second to really speak to the pettiness of this, you know, Abbott is being very petty, but also a majority, we've already said this, a majority of the Texas House, a majority of the Texas Senate are Republicans. He's not just punishing Democrats, he's punishing his own people. And what we've seen over the last couple of weeks in Texas is that there's this really big um, rift in the Texas GOP and the Texas Republican Party. Um, There are people challenging Abbott um, in the primary, there are people challenging Attorney General, indicted Attorney General Ken Paxton and his upcoming primary. And I just, I can't imagine that people like Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick or Speaker of the House Dade Phelan are happy about Abbott's move to defund the legislator because they're the they oversee the House and the Senate. So why would they? They obviously wouldn't be okay with that. And I haven't seen too much from them as far as reactions, but I can guarantee there are conversations happening in the background about what that's going to look like moving forward. Yeah, and to to go off of that that pettiness, I think it's it's. It hasn't been a big secret that there has been a lot of infighting between those, you know, the big three, and it had started uh, before and, and during ledge session. But that, that's another thing I loved about the walkout was that it just ignited that petty fire even more, and it's been beautiful to watch because, uh, you, you know, I, I, I know before then at least Patrick had suggested a possible special session, and then Abbott quickly suggested back how goofy that would be, <laughs> <laughs> which is just a beautiful insult on their level um and then immediately when the walkout happened you know he everyone's trying to blame each other for you know who, who failed who, who stopped this from happening and you know feeling getting on it uh, it's just uh beautiful to watch that fall apart especially when to accomplish this we democrats have to be so uh united to, to accomplish it which is like the contrast it's like Progressives and Democrats know how to lead and unite and like go forward and Republicans are just in disarray always can't figure out the energy can't figure out anything it's like how are they still in power it makes no sense to me let me uh, let me add one thing to that Abbott's threat of vetoing the legislature's entire budget that they're not you've not seen the pushback from Republican leadership that you might otherwise see because it's not that veto that the loss of the budget wouldn't be effective till September 1st. And Abbott's going to let the legislature restore that funding before September 1st. The whole thing is like a giant unconstitutional talking point for Abbott to say, look, by gums, I threatened the Democrats. They couldn't break quorum again. They came back for special session. They passed what we needed passed. And I got it done because I'm such a tough guy. So the, Dan Patrick's even bragged about what Abbott's threat is. And so that's why we're not seeing the pushback because they know they're not really going to lose that money in the long run. Because it's, it's just an empty threat basically. He's going to do the veto, but it's basically an empty on paper because the money will be restored before the effective date. Mm. So I have uh, two more questions for y'all. One is, do we have any idea what these special sessions might be focused on? Glenn, I know you have your ears to the ground all the time. What are you hearing? Well, they're obviously going to put a a voter suppression issue on the agenda. Uh, I understand they're going to return to the anti-trans bill. They may put that on there. I think they may put energy back on because one of the bills that failed was really a really good bill. It was more like an infrastructure bill that would have given broadband providers, water supply companies, etc., cetera, uh, uh, loans or make loans available to them to do backup in the case of power emergencies like we went through. And that failed in the Senate. It passed with bipartisan support in the House, but failed in the Senate. I think we may see 
some of those energy-related bills in the special this time. Oh, wonderful. So that's the first special session. And then for the second special session, it's just going to focus mainly on redistricting. And that won't be until um, September or even after in the fall. Um, and that's just because of the census delay this year. And so they have to wait to redraw those um, lines until they get all of the census data. But that's going to be a huge fight as well, because all we, as we all know, like Texas is gerrymandered to heck. And we, <laughs> we just really need better maps drawn. But with Republicans in power, that's going to be a huge fight. Um, so if you're here for the fight for voting rights and the fight against voter suppression, the redistricting fight is just as important because that involves voting rights just as much as anything else. And something I'd, I'd want to add as well um, that is different with these, uh, you know, possible, you know, two special sessions that was different from our first regular session earlier in the year is that Republicans um, typically, you know, weren't really looking out for our health. And so they didn't allow for virtual testimony, which, you know, I don't. I don't know if they would really, you know, allow that moving forward. But the good news is, is that there are a lot more folks that are vaccinated. Um, and something that was really missing was to have advocates be able to and advocates are, are you who, who's watching anyone who cares right about Texas and about any issues, um, preventing them from really going to the Capitol to, to testify. Um, and so with a lot more folks vaccinated, there are a lot more opportunities uh, for Texans to come and to voice their opinions. You know, there's always other methods of doing that, right? Writing to your representative, calling, um, you know, emailing. Uh, but now that more folks are vaccinated, that's an opportunity, um, you know, to be able to come up to the Capitol. I think that's that's another really great way that folks can get involved and that would make these special sessions a lot different as well. So Diana, you read my mind because the last question I was going to ask the team is what can people do to get involved for a special session? And obviously, you already got there. Um, so I really appreciate that. Wesley, Diana, Glenn, thank you so much as always for lending your expertise. Uh, everyone who's watching and listening, thanks for joining us. Head over to www.progresstexas.org to follow us on social and subscribe to our email list. If you're listening to us on a podcast, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will be back in July. Have an amazing weekend. Bye, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Take care. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, with music by Walker Lukens. Please subscribe and share, and thanks so much for listening. See you again next week.